The last few weeks, uh, pastor's been preaching out of the book of Daniel. I've got a, out of the book of Daniel and dealing with Daniel and Shadmach, Meshach, and Abednego and their faith in the, in the face of adversity that they were dealing with. And uh, kind of want to continue in that theme this morning. I'm going to do it in the New Testament, in the life of Paul, and in Romans, in Romans 15, when we get there in a few minutes, and take a look at some things about his life that, that also encourages us. Um, I don't have to stand here and tell anybody, as Lyle said a week or two ago, that, that, our, that our world is seeing a lot of trouble, that, it's, that we're on a slide downhill. And you don't have to convince anybody that. Quite evidence what's happened in the last few weeks with the shootings and the terrorist attacks and, and what the Supreme Court did this week again. And, uh, and so ungodliness seems to just be a part of our daily lives. It seems like we're, just, we're dealing with something like that all the time anymore. Kind of in the name of tolerance and free expression today, it seems that anything is okay except the gospel. And, uh, and so we, we're constantly fighting those things. And it's, 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 every day I hear someone say, you know, the world's in a mess and just this morning. Or, or what's the world coming to? Or what are we going to do? Or, or uh, what are people thinking? And you just hear this constant uneasiness in people's lives. And I had a friend say Friday night, we were eating dinner Thursday night, and he said, you know, he said, I'm secure enough in my faith and old enough and secure enough that I can resist. But he said, I really feel sorry for my grandchildren and what they're going to have to deal with. And as I said, for we live in a great nation and we're blessed. But, but God help us if we ever get that's by his hand that we have that and that, we, that we're honored with that. Now, I want to say this, and, and what I want to say is I'm not a doom and gloomer, okay? I, I don't believe in going there. We could spend all morning here talking about the bad things that are happening this week. But I'm not a doom and gloomer. I am saved. My Lord is in heaven. I'm called in his service and doing what I can do. I know how this thing ends. When I die or when he comes back, one of the two, I'm out of here. And so I'm not going to spend every day worrying about what's not right. Now, I'm not going to say I don't care. And I'm going to work on that and I'm going to focus on that. But I'm not going to take each day and let it get caught up in being negative about everything. But I have the same concerns. And when we see a world out here that's uneasy and, and doubtful, and, and apprehensive, true. But the last thing they need to do is look at Christians and see a chicken, little skies falling attitude with us. They need to look at us and go, how do you keep, you know, your, your uh, perspective in face of what we're dealing with? And that's when you say, well, let me tell you about this man, Jesus. And, and, and so I don't believe in, in getting caught up in that and, and ruining our day because God's give us a day to use for him. And so I don't want you to think that's where we're going this morning because we're not. And the thing about it, when believers look at us, they need to see compassion, they need to see hope, they need to see confidence, they need to see us out there doing all these things and serving Jesus. The question is, when they look at the church today, when I say church now, I'm not just talking about us, but I'm the church as a whole, do they see that? Does a lost world, does a troubled world, do people out there who are searching, when they look at the church today, do they see what they need to see? Do they see Jesus? Or are they seeing something that, that, that we have formulated out of, out of the world and out of different things? And we say, well, what's the problem? Well, you say, well, it's all those ungodly people out there doing all those ungodly things that they shouldn't be doing. And that's partly right. But I'm going to take it one step further. I think there's another side of that coin. There's a whole lot of church folks out there not doing the things we should have been doing for a long time. It's like living for Jesus, you know, 
and, and, and presenting the gospel and doing right. So we, I think we have to take a little bit of the blame. We didn't slide into this sinkhole we're in overnight. It's been there for a long time. And we've, we've kind of, and again, I'm not being negative towards the church, but we've kind of lived with one foot in the world and one foot in the church because we like it. But we blurred the lines so much, I don't think sometimes even we know exactly which way to go. So, so it's some things we have to deal with. And Brother Tom Halls was in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago, and he brought up a good perspective I never thought about. And he said there's a big difference in membership and relationship. And for a lot of years, too many years, the church has been focused on membership. Now, there's nothing wrong with membership. We want you to join. We want members. We want you to have a church home and a church family. There's nothing wrong with membership, but what we've done in the church, we've, we've, we've had people get saved, we've brought them in, we've baptized them, we've, we've put them in a Sunday school class, we've put them on a roll, we've gave them some offering envelopes and said, okay, you're good until heaven comes along. And we haven't moved people forward. And, and we, haven't, we haven't started to grow them into a relationship with Jesus, which is where we need to be. And, and, and we've let people sit right there. And, 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 and so we're, we're kind of stuck in this mode. Instead of people progressing and learning and serving, we're the same 5 or 10 or 15 years down the road than we were, you know, when we, when we, when we first started into this. Into this. And, and the thing about the Christian life, if you think about salvation, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, salvation is the lowest point of the Christian life in that as awesome as it is, that's where it starts. That's where we get in. That's where the journey starts. That's where the relationship starts. That's where what you do for the next ever how many years you have, laying up crowns in heaven, that's where it starts. And if we never develop that in people, then, then we, we wonder why we're weak and struggling at times. And that, and that can always be part of that problem. So, you know, we've taught people to be good members. But we've got to teach people to, have, to be good relationships with Jesus, to have a strong relationship to be good believers, to follow, to walk on into the next level of life. So that's kind of where I want to camp just for a minute this morning. Again, trying to be positive about this. If we're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ or a heart for God, what does that look like? If I had to describe that to somebody, what would be the attributes that I would put on that? And, and, and Because it's, it's, a, it's a guiding lesson for us. And probably the four things I'm going to talk about, you, you're going to say, well, I know that, and that's simple. Yeah, they're so simple, we're not doing them. And that, that's one of the things we have to think about and look at this morning. I think the first one, really, and we're going to be in Romans 15, and I'm going to skip around another passage too, but mostly in Romans 15, we're going to move around in that passage a little bit. The first one I'm thinking about, to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, we're going to have a desire for the Word, and we're going to have a working knowledge of the Word, and we're going to have a work ethic in the Word. We cannot have a relationship with Jesus Christ and not be based in his word. Because why? It's how God revealed himself to us. It, it, it's our instruction book for life. When you look at it, look at it, um, 15 forward Romans. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. It's where we find hope. It's where we find security. It's where we find everything we need. We know what the passage in 2 Timothy 3.16 says. Well, I'm going to back up and actually read 3.15 or 14. I think it fits. He said, but as for you, this is Paul writing to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of because you know those that from you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And it says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we see the power of the Scripture because it's, it's every, every ounce of this book is God-given and God-given for a purpose. And it's encouraging us that we need to stay in it, that we need, we need to constantly base ourselves in it. Romans four, uh, again, Romans 15, 14, uh, 15 and 14 through 15 verses kind of touches on it. He said, I myself am convinced, brothers, this is Paul writing to the Roman church, you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, competent to instruct one another. And I have written you quite boldly on some points as to remind, uh, to remind you of them because of the God, grace God gave me. Here was a church, he said, you're full of knowledge. This was a good church. They had been trained well. They knew. Paul said, I'm just reminding you in the book of Romans. That's why, I mean, it's, it's a survey of the faith. And so they're basing themselves in, in the faith and what God is, is saying to them. Uh, so again, in the Holy Scriptures. And we just find more evidence that when, you remember over in, in, in Acts 17, the Berean church. Remember what they said about the Berean church. He said, now the Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now here was a people was listening to Paul with eagerness, and yet they were checking everything he said. What did that, what did that do for them? That guaranteed them that they were not going to be misled, that they were not going to get into false teaching, that they were not going to get into something they should. Even when Paul was preaching, they checked him out. The value of the, there's, you can't put a value on the Holy Scripture in our life. It's not something we come to Sunday school on Sunday and we take it out and we talk about a passage and we discuss some things and we put it up for the week. It's got to be a daily thing. We've got to listen. We've got to read. We've got to study. And if a person has a right relationship with God, they're going to want to. There's going to be a desire there. It's not going to be something we have to do. Oh, well, it's time to Bible study. It's going to be, we're going to be looking for another opportunity to study. Psalms 119.11 says, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 119.105 says, you're, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's exhaustive. It's life. It's how to live life. It, it's who we are in God. It's who God is in us. It tells the story. And we can't do it. So we're going to have a great relationship. We're going to have a a right relationship with Jesus, we're going to have a desire to be in the Scripture, in the Word. We're going to have a desire. Secondly, we're going to have a love for the Gospel. What Paul say in 117? He said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is power to save all those who believe, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. The Gospel is Jesus. The Gospel is what he commanded us to take to the world. The Gospel is what got us saved. And the Gospel is where we need, what we need to be acting on at all times. Uh, Romans 15, just the verse 16, take a quick look at that one. He said, Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might have an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be saved. Paul said, Paul was about the gospel. If you, if you look at his life, the, the problem they had with Paul was they said if we leave him outside, he's going to preach to everybody. If we put him in jail, he's going to preach to everybody in jail. If we kill him, he's going to be a martyr. He's going to be with Jesus, and that's what he wants to do anyway. So Paul's saying, well, let's do whatever you want. And we say, well, Paul was extreme, but we're living in extreme today. Maybe, you know, it might be time for some Paul attitudes. It might be time for some of us to say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus, and it doesn't matter what you do. And, and so when we look at his life, constantly he was about that. 
In 2 Timothy, again, 8 and 9, just a couple of verses here, he said, he said, so don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. This is 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. Or ashamed of me as his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for those, the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. So again, you just see his love for the gospel. Then down in verse 12, he said, this is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know who I am believed and convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to you that day. Paul was about the gospel of Christ. Everywhere he went, he was. And, and, we, and we need to be that same way, too. We need to be sharing with people. I had a good friend that was one of the best I've ever seen in, in a one-on-one sharing with people. And he didn't get a list and go out with his Bible and pin people up in the corner. He did it in everyday life, just as he went along. And I've seen him lead people to Christ on construction sites and restaurants. And I'll give you a good example of, of, of him. I was talking to him in front of Ace Hardware in Hendersonville about seven or eight years ago before he died. And a guy come down the street, and Gene was a huge, huge Kentucky fan. We'll forgive him for that, you know. That's, that seems to be the norm around here. But Gene, I mean, Gene sat behind the players when Joe B. Hall was there. Gene had connections with the University of Kentucky and loved it. And so this guy come down the street, and he said, Go Big Blue. And Gene instantly stopped talking to me and stopped, started talking to him. Within two minutes, he was talking about faith. The guy wasn't really a Christian. He wasn't interested. But him and Gene laughed a little bit. He changed the card. And he went on. And he, when the guy left, he said, go big blue. And Gene said, but he left this man with a positive experience. And I've seen him in restaurants and on the side of the roads and in ball games. Within two to three to five minutes, he could find out what you knew about Jesus, whether you was a Christian or not, and whether you was interested in, the, in, in, in what he had to say, and never make you mad. And at his funeral... It was about 600 people in that building, and the pastor said, I would like everybody in here that Gene has personally witnessed to you or personally worked with you in your faith. And there was 200, 250 people stood up in that room that he had personally witnessed to, personally helped find Christ, personally helped climb out of a pit. And to his, his nature, he knew he was sick, so about a year before he... Uh, got really bad, he made a video when he was still healthy and feeling good. And you might know it on that video. He talked about people getting saved and presenting the gospel to everybody in that church. And, and, that's what he, and there was something about him and something we, I've always remembered. I've been around him when he led people to Christ. And when that would happen, there was a demeanor that came over him that can't be anything described other than the Holy Spirit. He, the joy in his heart that's the only thing he was really good at. He could memorize scripture and witness to people. But there was a joy in his heart when somebody got saved. And so we need to be about the gospel because the world needs Jesus. We, we got the answer, and we're just keeping it to ourselves. And so we need to be about the gospel. We need, about, need to be about loving the gospel, living the gospel, and sharing it. I mean, it ought, every day we should get up and go, Jesus saved a wretch like me. I hope they never take that word out of that song. I know a lot of people don't like it. But that ought to remind us every day. He saved me. The least I can do is share that with somebody else, or at least try to today. So a love for the Scripture, a love for the Gospel. Thirdly, real quickly, a love and desire for service. You're going, oh, no, you didn't start meddling now. <laughs> but uh, we are all ministers. If you've been saved, you're a minister. You've, had, you've been called to do something. It may be real little bitty. It may real, be real, real big. It doesn't matter what it is. 
If God said do it and you're doing it and he's happy, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the guy next to you or the girl next to you is doing. It's called to do. We can't do each other's, but we've all been called to do that. Uh, Romans uh, 15, all the way down, about 17 down through about 28. I'm just going to read part of it because I want to touch on a couple of things. Verse 17 in Romans 15. He said, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God, and I will not venture to speak of anything else except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. And on down in verse 23. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. After I have enjoyed your company for a while, and now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Iraq was pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, for the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. And he said in verse 28, he says, So after I have completed this task and have made sure that you have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Now when you look at that, he's, he's wanting to go to Rome. He's wanting to go to Spain through Rome. He's going to Jerusalem because he cares about the people there because he's serving. He's going to take an offering to them because they're so impoverished. That's a thousand miles in the opposite direction. But Paul's willing to go do that. He's willing to step up. He always embraced what God called him to do. He never had a problem with that. And, uh, and, and, and he was just, and the thing about it is we have to understand that whatever God's called us to do, that's what we need to be doing. And that's really when we get there, that's where the joy of life is. And if we really are right relationship with Jesus, we're going to want to know what that is. We're going to say, God, what, are you, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I going to do? I want to know what I'm going to do. And he will tell us. And uh, the couple of things about the service that we'll think about when you look at it, you know, ministry is sacrificial. If you're doing a ministry and it's not costing you anything, you might ought to go back and recheck it. Because it's probably not a ministry. It's probably... So it's probably giving what you can, where you can, where you can. And that's, that's no problem with that, except ministry is usually sacrificial. Ministry is going to cause you to give up time. It's going to cause you to give up hobbies. It's going to jobs, even to your life someday, maybe for some people. But ministry is sacrificial. When we fit it into our program, it's ours, not God's. When God steps up, usually we're going to have to make some life changes sometimes to adjust to what he wants. It may just be saying, hey, I'll be at church 50 Sundays out of 52. Maybe I won't take quite as many trips to Disney World, and I know I just hit a bunch on the head around here. <laughs> we're Disney World church. I think we, got about, we spent about a million dollars a year in Disney World. But it's going to cost you something, and it should. It should because we're appreciative of it when we do that. But it's, there's sacrifice to it. And can't, when we really say that, though, we're kind of telling God, if you say, well, God, I'll give you what I can, when I can, where I can, what we're really saying is, I'm in charge of my life. And it's never going to work that way. God can't honor that because we, we, we've died to self if, if, we, if we understand salvation. And so we're all, we're all ministers, but our service, we all got a calling. 
And you, and you never know what it's going to cost. It's also got risk. There's people involved. I mean, it's always risk. You can say, well, people will take advantage of you. Yeah, they will. You know, people will hurt you. Yes, they will. They'll hurt you. They'll disappoint you. They'll lie to you. They'll cheat you. When you're involved in ministry, there's some people I just don't want to be around. Been there twice this week. Didn't pick it. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about people I don't like. I'm talking about people that I was totally uncomfortable in the ministry part of it because I was not familiar at all with what was going on with them. It's, it's distant to me. But in a situation where, where God said, you, you, need, you need to do something here, it's going to put us in uncomfortable places with uncomfortable people sometimes. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just part of it. And, and it, people can hurt you emotionally. I mean, it, it, it can be a struggle sometimes and, 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 to, and to deal with people doing that. But here, here's the thing about this. When we get where God wants us in that ministry, there is a, the peace and the joy and the fulfillment that we all look for in life. It just kind of flows into your life automatically. Until you find that place, you're never going to feel it. And when you find that place, you go, wow. And what you're doing that seems like a job or a burden all at once turns into a joy. What you do at church, what you do for the Lord, what you do in your ministry, all at once is, well, I got to go to another meeting or I got to go to practice again or I got to go to choir practice again. It turns into a joy rather than a burden or rather than something I have to do. You may be doing it because it needs to be done. But that's a job, not a ministry, when that happens. And so when we get there, we find that fulfillment. And here's the thing about it. It needs to be done at whatever it costs. We need to be willing to give up whatever it costs to get there. Because, you know, if, if particularly if we look at the need in our churches and things today, and, and again, I'm not trying to beat the church up. I'm just saying we're real good at looking around and seeing what's wrong with everybody else. We can point out what's wrong in the world. But we don't really like to sit down and look at ourselves sometimes, do we, and say, what's wrong with me? may not be nothing. You may be right where God wants you, doing right what God wants you to do. You may not need this message one bit this morning. Amen. I'm proud of you. We need more of you here. And, uh, but at the same time, we, we, have to, we have to think about that, and we have to get ourselves in that understanding. Lastly, real quick, and this, was, this is the one, a love for people. We've got to learn to love people. We can't be picky. We can't be selective. We can't say, I'm not going over here. I'm not going over here. God has called us to love people. It says in Scripture, love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. First John is full of love your brother. There's, there's no options about that. We, should, we are made for relationships. Human beings are made for relationships. I'm a people. I love people. I, I love to meet everybody I can meet. I like to know a lot of people. And what that does, that broadens our, our area of, of ministry. It broadens our opportunity to share the gospel. That gives us more opportunity to reach out in the world. And, uh, you know, we're, this, this is a church family. This is God's family, the church as a whole, but this is us. We live together. We suffer together. We live life together. And, and, and I need all of y'all. I, I don't know if you need me or not, but I need you. I, this, I need people here. I need this church family. I mean... I've been here 20-something years, and, and the friendships and the relationships and the trust that I have in people here, it, it'd be hard to match that again in my lifetime. That's special to me, and it ought to be at all of us. That what we're, that's what we're designed for. And, uh, and, and the thing we have to realize is, is, is dealing with people can be tricky, but you can't minister to somebody from afar. 
You know, if the guy across the road's got a sign and says, hey, brother, I'm hungry, and you holler across the road, I'll pray for you to find a sandwich today. That's not ministry. That didn't help him a bit. He may be lying to you, but go buy him a sandwich anyway. You know, we, got, you've got to mingle. You've got to get involved in people's lives. And when you do, you're going to find out more than you want to know sometimes. You're going to be a part of more than what you want to know. But that's okay. That's ministry. That's what God's called us to do. Did you ever think about the type of people Jesus hung around with? Tax collectors, Gentiles, Samaritans, lepers, blind, the lame, the prostitutes, the demon-possessed, Pharisees, women, children, a centurion, and a bunch of grubby old fishermen. Now you think about that. Anytime I watch the crab show on TV, the deadliest catch, I think that's probably what the disciples were like. Y'all, you think, I mean, tough, rough, tough men. I couldn't do what they were doing when I was 20 years old. And, uh, but I think about that, and I said, those are the type of people that Jesus embraced. And then you ever think about why people flocked to him? When you read through Scripture, you can say, well, it's preaching. Well, yeah. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, probably one of the greatest sermons ever been preached. And when he was in the temple at 12 years old, they was amazed at what he knew of the Scriptures. You can say, well, it's miracles. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he healed sick. He raised the dead. He fed thousands at one time. I mean, he even changed the water to wine so they keep the party going. I mean, they flocked around him for his miracles. But if you read Scripture and really pay attention, they flocked around Jesus because of his compassion. They flocked around him because they knew they were with somebody that loved them. It flowed. They knew it. They were with somebody that cared with them. When they cried, he cried with them. When they laughed, he laughed with them. He listened to them. He forgave them. He embraced them. He grieved with them. And, and you think there was probably people that sat in his audience that were screaming to crucify him on the last day, and he knew that. But yet these people were comfortable around him because he created that environment. And if we're ever going to reach the world, that's what we're going to have to do. Paul talks about this in 15, 1 through 3. He said, We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not place himself, did not please himself, but it is written, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on, on me. And so we just constantly see it. And all through Romans 16, Paul takes a whole chapter of Romans 16 and he said, remember so-and-so and bless so-and-so and welcome so-and-so and, and give to so-and-so. Paul was constantly about people. Paul was about the gospel and people and, and impacted this world more than anybody that, that's, that's ever lived when you look at what he did. And he, and he just talks about the love we have to have for others. And so just looking briefly at what we were talking about this morning in this right relationship with God, and what it takes to build it, and what it looks like. It, it's, just, it's just growth, it's just maturity, and the faith is all it is. But it's love the Word, a love for the Gospel, a love for service, and a love for people, or a heart for all of those things. And you say, well, I, I've heard that for a hundred years. I know, but we all need to get better at it. If we didn't, we wouldn't be dealing with a lot of things we're dealing with. The church wouldn't be declining. Christianity wouldn't be declining. The church wouldn't be struggling. We'd be more effective. Somewhere in here we have, lost, we have lost that process of the holiness of God exuberating out of our lives every day. And it's just because we've gotten sidetracked with so many things. The world is strong. Satan is wrong. Temptation is still out there. He knows. But we need to back up and start building this relationship. And, and you know, you, you talk about, well, and I can't do that for you, and you can't do that for me. 
But there's one simple way we can all do it. We just need to get along with God somewhere and get honest. You've got to just decide it's time to make a change. To get honest about it, get your heart opened up and say three things. Lord, not your will but mine. Lord, not your time but mine. And Lord, not your way but mine. And mean that. And say, Lord, I'm yours. That's the only way it's going to work. He don't work on deals. He don't work on us drawing up our own plan. He don't care what you have to think. He's got a plan for our lives, and that's the only way we're going to find it and get there. Now, listen, we're, you know, we're dealing with a lot of things in a lot of world, in the inner world today, but the world's only going to respond to Jesus when we respond to him. And when we respond to him, then people will be able to see Jesus in us. And that's what we're supposed to have been doing all this time. Guilty as anybody in here, okay? And I'm not fussing anybody else. This, I, this, message turned out being for me if it fits you fine if it don't i'm, I'm proud of you <laughs> but you know i mean if you don't need it i'm tickled to death we need more of you that don't need it but uh but it, it's, it's just as simple as that and, but i want to tell you something on the positive this morning just because we're seeing a lot of things happen and just because our government's passing more goofy laws and just because christianity seems to be more under attack and being pushed back under Push back in the, in the dark. Our God has not lost one bit of authority, one bit of his power. He hasn't, he hasn't relinquished one bit of his plan for this world. He's still sovereign. He's still the Lord of all. He's still creator. Jesus is sitting at his right hand waiting for the word to come and get us. It's not out of his control. We ought to be concerned about what's going on. We ought to be doing our best to work about what's going on. We need to improve our lives. But don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal your purpose. And don't let it steal the beauty of the Christian life. We can still have that every day. And if the world sees us having that, it'll make a difference for them. If God gives you tomorrow, don't waste it worrying about what you can't fix right now. Waste it worrying about what you can. And, and, and that's the thing about it. John 10.10 10 says you have life and have it to the full. Live it to the full. God wants us to live life and get the best out of it. But we need to make sure that we're in tune with what he's doing. But I really think... From what I see going on, it's time for the church to get a little more serious about who we are. Your will, Lord, not mine. Your time, Lord, not mine. Your way, Lord, not mine. That's what each one of us has to do. That's the answer. But when we do that, we'll see a world respond to what what we have to offer. We'll see change in the world. As long as we're trying to live this our way, it's not going to work. We've got a gracious God. But we, we live in a blessed land, and we've been blessed for a long time. But we've been blessed by his gracious hand because of who we are. And if we pull away from that, you read Scripture, we can't expect anything but, but some discipline or for God to back up and let us endure some of the hard times. But just like Israel, when they came back to him, he honored them. And I'm praying that's what we need to do as a nation. But just to give ourselves to God, to build that relationship and to get up every day and say, I'm going to live for Jesus today first and let the rest of it follow where it's made. Would you pray with me, please?